0: Hello and welcome to the Diaper Report, a podcast about fatherhood, marriage, and career. Or at least, we attempt to talk about those things primarily through interviews. Please, please do me a huge favor and subscribe to us on Spotify or subscribe to us, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. The more you do those things, the more. Row, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook, simply by searching The Diaper Report. We should pop up. If you find a different diaper report, you probably didn't, you probably found us. So please share us with your friends, share us with your families. If you don't know any parents out there, share us with them. Or if your friends just like a good time, share us with them. For the most part, we are a Relatively Funny Podcast. We try to have fun. I interview pretty much all of my friends at this point that we learn about fatherhood, and parenting, and marriage, and career, and we just talk life and talk navigation, and things. we're getting all kinds of things. So once again, welcome to The Diaper Report. I'm glad you're here. This is actually episode six, which is incredible. So as we always do, we're going to start off with our weekly update. Okay, this week, this week, Amelia, my child, I believe, is having some separation anxiety from her mother. So I have watched Amelia, I want to say twice this week. Uh, tonight, my wife, well, when you're recording to this, it won't matter. When listening to this, ha, recording to this, when you're listening to this, it doesn't really matter. But tonight, my wife is out. She serves actually at our church with our student ministry. I stay home and hang out with the kid. Excellent bonding time. Also, our child is seven months today seven months at the time of this recording wild how fast it's gone so 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 quickly it's incredible but yes so my wife is out and i think she left earlier this week for the store or something but i noticed that both times that she's left tonight and the night before whenever she left earlier this week i can't remember where she went um, my child won't stop screaming for like 15 to 20 minutes and she'll act like she's tired and then she won't take a nap and then she kind of just resets and all of a sudden she's back to her spunky self but it's like the first 30 minutes I swear is just straight up screams and it makes me feel like an awful father like I feel like I've done something wrong I want to hope and say that it really is just separation anxiety so we're going to go with that, because I do nothing out of the normal. I sit and play with her if I can, and we turn on Mickey Mouse and turn on Bluey. Which, by the way, if you're not watching Bluey on Disney+, go watch Bluey. It's Australian. It's one of the most wholesome shows I think I've ever seen. The, the dad is, like, one of the... The focus is on the kids, but what I love is that the parents are both modeled as caring, involved, fun... Parents, including the dad. He's not just some uh bumbling around guy who happens to be there. He's he's involved, he's playing with his kids, he's listening to his kids, he's teaching his kids. It's just really cool. So I really I do I shout out Bluey. I recommend Bluey. So Amelia's seven months, that's kind of our big update for this week. She's seven months, um Hopefully not teething her third tooth, but probably teething her third tooth. We actually celebrated our little local family Christmas last weekend before we do all our traveling at the end of this week and spend Christmas out of state. Um, Amelia didn't quite figure out the ripping of the wrapping paper, but I think she enjoyed all the lights and enjoyed the festivities and participated in our traditions. So excited to watch her grow. Excited for her to go through three more Christmases uh, in the coming weeks and kind of see how all that... Uh, unravels. I know my brother is super excited to see her and hang out with her, so that's that's a ton of fun. All right. As far as personal, I feel like as a husband this week, and this is me kind of audio journaling here, I suppose. Um, disconnected. Um, is super serious with the podcast more about fatherhood, which is also I mean, I'm a husband and a father, so. I feel disconnected from my wife, uh, I feel this sense of like I'm letting her down, I feel like a bad husband, I'm tired this week, like, really tired, a little bit depressed, so I don't know what's going on there, just wanted to share that I guess. If you have any encouragements, please feel free to send them my way, or if you're out there and you also feel this, maybe it's just holiday burnout, maybe it's work burnout, I don't know, know that you're not alone. No one ever said marriage is easy, and not every day is sunshine and rainbows. Not every week is sunshine and rainbows. Um, I'm just having a really, really rough week. Um, not that we're fighting or anything. Nothing's wrong there. I'm just, just kind of checked out, feeling like my tank is really empty. So, all right. As far as the weekly update goes, that's kind of about it. That's all I have. These weeks have been kind of boring, and I'm sorry. But that's, I mean, part of having a baby is sometimes your week is full of, holy crap, did you see this story? Or, wow, that was hilarious. And some weeks it's, she played, she fell, she cried, she slept, she pooped. Repeat. And she ate. Don't forget eating. Eating is super important. Really proud of her. Actually, she ate a lot today. She ate a good bit. So we're going to go navigate into our next section before we start tonight's episode, or at least the meat of tonight's episode, and that's our Dad Joke of the Week. All right, tonight's Dad Joke of the Week comes from one of my coworkers. workers um, She's awesome. She helps encourage us and keeps us sane as best she can while we're there and, and dealing with teaching students, and I could probably sit here and complain about that, but I won't. It's near Christmas. I get it. We're all crazy so the dad joke of the week is this when do you know a door is not a door when it's a jar (laughs) now that's a good one i enjoyed that one i enjoyed that one do you want your dad joke of the week featured or just a dad joke featured please comment subscribe dm me really just dm if you're following me on social media following the diaper report on social media whether it's facebook or instagram please send me a DM, send me a message, leave it in the comments, and I will read your dad joke of the week on one of our future episodes. All right, as a reminder, and you're going to hear me say this again, we do not have an episode next week. It's Christmas. Enjoy, okay? Spend time with the family. Sit around the Christmas tree. Binge the first five episodes of the DECA Report, and then listen to this one. Celebrate the new year. We will be back with the new year, January 3rd. We'll have a brand new episode out for you with my friend Tyler Stidham. I will warn you right now, it is a long one, so that will be your drive home from the holidays episode. But super excited for that to come out. Love my friend Tyler, great guy. Alright, I also want to give this disclaimer. So once again, and you're going to hear me say this before this episode starts out, but disclaimer, this week's episode is about mental health. Okay? It is going to follow up a little bit on mental illness as well. So this episode may not be for the whole family. There is conversation pertaining to things that might be too mature for those kids to handle or potentially might be a trigger, and I don't want to cause any harm. So if you know this might be an episode that might be a little too mature for your children, I ask you just to respect that, and we'll have your children listen to next week's episode. Also, if you're listening to this with your kids, that's awesome. I'm glad you are. Um, The goal is definitely to be family-friendly, but I also get it if kids are bored of dads talking about dad things. Totally get that. Further disclaimer. If you're someone who knows me well, i.e. you are my family listening to this, or you're a close friend listening to this, this episode, I do share some personal things that you may have never heard before. So your thinking of me may change. I hope it doesn't, but it might. And if you don't know me at all, well, you're going to learn more about me than you probably ever bargained for. So those disclaimers are out there. Those warnings are out there. I do hope that you sit down and do listen to this episode as it is important to me. And it sits on my heart. I know it's kind of out of our normal vein of humor and fun and conversation with others. I do monologue for quite some time. But I care about this topic, and I care about you. And so I do hope you'll listen to this episode. Please share with your friends share with people you care about and love, Merry Christmas, enjoy the rest of the show. Um, I want to go ahead and make a disclaimer out there, if you're someone who listens to this podcast with a family, this is probably not the episode to listen to with the whole family, primarily with kids in mind, as we are dealing with conversations of mental health and the symptoms that surround that. There may be content that would just be a little too mature for children. This all starts a few weeks ago over Thanksgiving, I put a poll out on my social media, put it out on Instagram, asking if any of you listeners out there struggled with something like seasonal depression or holiday depression. Uh, I myself struggled with holiday holiday depression. Pretty much everybody that chose to respond uh, said yes, said they did. So I wanted to then make depression primarily mental health um a point of uh, i guess conversation really it's just me monologuing but i want to make it a topic here on the podcast we we are a podcast about fatherhood and marriage and career and the thing is is if you are a parent if you are an employee an employer even if you are a student or a, a kid or child listening to this, a young adult listening to this, your husband, your wife. Mental health is in all avenues of these things. Uh, some people are really healthy, and some people are less healthy. Um, and you tend to kind of fall in these two camps. And then with that comes kind of how you view people who fall into one of those two camps. So, tonight, well, for me, it's tonight. For you guys listening, I'm going to essentially just kind of walk through as best as I can the general story of my own mental health journey. I do want to go and make a, I guess, make a second disclaimer. (laughs) I am not a mental health professional. Um, I took one psychology class in college because it was required, and that was, I guess, fun. We, you know, she pretty much canceled class every three weeks, and that was nice, Um, but I'm not a professional, so everything that I say on here, you should definitely go and seek second, you know, obviously seek wise counsel, go see professional, go see a therapist, please be seen by a doctor, uh, if that's where you feel like you need to go, or if that's something that you need to do. So my story, journey, starts where I think most people's does, and that would be in childhood even one thing we're learning right now with our own daughter is kids are incredibly sensitive to intense emotions whether good or bad um, being put off by the parent what memories i have of early childhood and i'm trying to talk from memories and not things that i've been told because there is a difference and everybody has a perspective and to a certain extent a spin. I don't want to use the word agenda, though some people do have agendas when they tell you things that happened to you or around you as a child. So of the memories I have of childhood, and they seem to be very few and far in between. My own memories are very fuzzy every once in a while, one will come back. Like I remember my parents playing the computer game Mist. Which actually got on Xbox and reinstalled and now I'm playing through it and it's it's actually a lot of fun um it's a puzzle game and I really enjoy it but that's really positive memory but then I also have really negative memories that are primarily memories of aggression um lots of yelling my parents more so my father modeled the way they handled conflict was getting really angry getting very loud being very almost attacking is how i remember it i don't i don't remember or have any memories of physical altercations but i do know there was lots of closed doors lots of loud arguments lots of fights and that was really intense that's really intense this eventually led up to middle school and in middle school my father became accusatory of my mother of cheating. This was not true, or at least I have been told it's not true. She did not cheat on my father. Uh, he kept insisting. He, at one point, packs up all his stuff, yells at us, tells us he's moving out and that she's, you know, certain number of words, uh, and then proceeds to leave. And he goes and live, sleeps with the, uh, at a friend's house for the night and then comes back the next morning and is all kind of, like, mopey and... Um apologetic to a certain extent and scared it's we over time he ends up being seen by some doctors and is told that he is bipolar at which point that then becomes his identity for a while. It then goes to a certain point where I have a memory of being yelled at and being told that I was bipolar because he was bipolar and that it's genetic. Um, I have no scientific, backings for either of these things. I could not tell you if it is genetic or not. Um, I don't know how many types of bipolar out there. My father has since decided to have himself re-evaluated and it, I believe he tells us now that he is um, manic depressive or severely, de- I, don't, I don't actually know. I don't fully know. But I know I was told that I was bipolar in middle school eventually all this comes to a head and my parents are on the verge of divorce um my mom gave my father an ultimatum um and you have to understand and and you have listened hopefully listener you've gone back and listened to laughing's episode and have heard the conversation with my mom which you know was very brief but she she did everything she could to keep the marriage together we believe in marriage i believe in institution of marriage divorce is never just a ooh i woke up on the wrong side of the bed i'm i'm getting out i'm leaving i'm done um it, it's it's it should only ever be in situations of safety and at an unredeemable amount of like danger like no chance of reconciliation etc. And we had we had reached this point. I didn't know details, I, I do I know more details now as an adult in the after fact, um, both partly by looking back and seeing things kind of through memory, where I'm like oh I ignored that, or things that I have been informed of. Um, my mother's always been one where she's if you, if you ask the right question you'll get the answer. Um, though I've always had a slight sleuthfulness to me and I've never really had to get a direct answer, I could always just kind of piece certain things together. Uh, Regardless, we had kind of reached this point, and she'd kind of given him a week. She um, was like, he had a week to start showing sincerity, I believe. I remember this one morning towards the end of this week, and uh, she's standing on the edge of the driveway. I think he had just left for work, and I walk out there, and she just kind of looks at me, and this is the best that I remember it. My mom might remember this differently. She may listen to this (laughs) and message me and say, no, you're you're wrong, Um, but the way I remember this is her basically telling me in in some kind of manner that nothing was getting better that it wasn't getting better and she was kind of on the edge of for us for us the kids she wanted to keep it here so badly and what i remember is telling her and then it's time to wake up and smell the coffee I, i've always been one to to speak in phrases and quotes and things like that and that was the one that i used pretty much to much tell her then it's time. Um, And I've carried that. I've actually carried this sense of responsibility for my parents' divorce, and not in the way that some kids do where they believe they're the source of the divorce, but in the sense that every time my father and I have minced words about it and he believes that somehow um, she has bamboozled me. I don't think, and he may now if he listens to this, I don't know if he does, Um, but I'm partly responsible for telling her to go and get it. And I've carried that. All of these things have led up to this moment. And so then there's a the divorce, and that happens in middle school. And that's trauma. Divorce is trauma. And then as I'm leaving the 8th grade being homeschooled, I am dropped into public school for the first time. And so there's this transition of being sheltered to now not being sheltered, um, to witnessing um, racism, to witnessing um, abrasive language, to witnessing crude language, to being exposed to content that just through peers, through, through children who had not grown up the same way I grew up, very sheltered, in church only, private school only, or homeschooled only did not watch movies that weren't, you know, above PG, that kind of deal, and so I make my way through high school, slowly start kind of building some kind of an identity, um, pretty much one of being kind of one of the the rejects, ironically, if you're a sheltered homeschool kid, your place is at the lunch table with the uh, anime lovers, and drug addicts, and sexual perverts, so... That was where I sat at lunch, so that was my high school experience. How fun. It did get better towards the end. I finally made some few few friends who I still talk to today, but that was kind of a rough, a rough couple of years, and, and sprinkled into those four years, we changed churches. Um, there were some fights with my dad where he and I kind of got into it, and some things that were said just over part of it, me growing up into a teenager, and part of it, Well, I mean, he's navigating a divorce and still expected to be a parent and different things. One of the next kind of traumatic moments is towards the, is, is right after I graduated. Unbeknownst to my mother and I, my brothers had been in conversations with my dad with a lawyer when they were, on visitation. About halfway through high school, my dad moved to uh, North Carolina with his wife at the time. He kind of started skipping certain visitations, but then didn't skip others. That's a whole other nightmare and mess that I don't really need to get into for the sake of uh, this episode, but essentially what it comes down to is I'm leaving work one day, like right after I graduated, right after I finished school, and I got a phone call as I'm literally clocking out and it's my mom on the phone in tears and she's just like, did you know, did you know? And I'm like, "I no, no what, what's going on? What did I miss? And she tells me that my brothers are permanently moving. Um, the, the The four of us, I have two younger brothers and then there was my mom, the four of us had done a lot of life together since the divorce. We had gone on road trips, we had watched movies, we were bonding. There was just a lot of memories that were created and a lot of memories that were shared during that time. and we were kind of our own little surviving unit and to be hit with that information for her was really tough. I got really mad. I got really, really, really angry. Um, I held it over I held it over my uh, younger brother, Brendan, sorry, Uncle B, but you already know this. <laughs> I held it over his head for for a while um every time i see him i just was like backstabber traitor that kind of stuff like, i was really I was really upset not too long after that my youngest brother on social media um comes out um and so that was another again growing up as conservative as i had in as sheltered as I had, this was also unexpected. And so there's kind of one thing after the other. Now, mentally, I kind of figured I was still okay. I uh, I really didn't believe that the divorce had affected me. I kind of figured I'd held it all together and had a min- minor, minor, minor error of confidence. Um, felt normal, was hanging out with my friends, was pulling all-nighters, was doing the college thing, felt, felt fine. I've been told a few times, I think, by my mom or my dad, both of them at different points, like, oh no, the divorce has changed you, but I didn't realize just how much it had, it had changed me, or affected me, or impacted me, um, until I got into my first relationship in college, and I don't spend too much time on that, but essentially through that relationship, I discovered I have a lot of insecurities, uh, fear of abandonment, um, I don't trust easily, a little bit of paranoia, a lot of interesting, a lot of interesting things I did not know I had that came out of that divorce, and then also if you kind of look at it, were things that my father exhibited. And and sadly, the things that he exhibited, the things that I didn't want, the things that I fought so hard to not have, were the exact same things that I was showing, or the exact same things that I was acting out. So... That was tough. It was also in college that I had my first instances of self-harm. So if you're listening to this and you thought you knew me, this might be the episode where some things change about you. And if you don't know me, well, now you will know me more than you ever thought. I want to say it was 2018? 2017? I'm not sure. One of those two years. Was Was the big year kind of... Realizing that I had, um, at least depression of some sort, um, I was at work, and I think I was dating my now wife. So I think it was 20, it was twenty eighteen because I was dating my now wife. Um, mind you, I was still on and off since that first relationship, which has probably been over for about a year and a half. Every when things got really stressful, I would still self harm. But I hid it as best I could, obviously. I felt shamed over it. Um had a really negative really negative and self deprecating self talk, but didn't really share with too many people. I had yet to really go see I had seen a therapist once, um, for a little while to kinda of deal with the relationship ending, but nothing aside from that. So there's this one week and The supervisor slash co-worker who I essentially reported to because I was part-time and he was full-time. And even though his title didn't say like assistant director, he was essentially the assistant director of the division I worked in. I worked in like a facilities uh, slash operations for uh, an organization. Um, And this week, this one day, it's like a Monday, it's like an hour before I'm getting off of work. He comes and he's like, hey, I got a task for you. I'm like, all right, cool. And most tasks are like, we're talking like five to 20 minute tasks, and then you just kind of roll on to the next thing. Very quick, very easy. And he's like, yeah, I need you to go through all the paint that we have for the building. I need you to organize it, and I need you to throw away what's expired, and then organize what's left over by color, and then by um, environment. So like our organization was a large building, it's split up into environments, and so you, you label it, etc." Well, I get down there, and we're we're talking like probably 500 cans of paint, of all shapes and sizes, and without any previous organization. And I I this was probably the first time I think I ever had like a, what I would call a panic attack. Like I straight up stopped, and I got really stressed. I got really like foot was tapping, heart was beating. And um, I go back to my boss's room and I I pretty much start sobbing. Like I'm crying in his room over paint and was like, do you just done today or like by the end of the week? And he kind of looked at me kind of like an odd look because it's paint, mind you. And he was like, well, I mean, prefer to be done by the end of this week. But I don't expect it to be done by the end of today. And that helped a little bit. Um, I came back a little bit later after work. Um, I had a meeting with somebody else at work and I I came back afterward and apologized to him and he was like, he he closed the door and he was like, have you ever thought that perhaps you have depression or anxiety? And I was like, nope. And he's like, okay, well, you get help here through the organization. Like, we'll give you like a stipend essentially. Um, and he recommended I go see someone. So, I... That's when I first started seeing a therapist for, specifically, an anxiety slash depression. And had gotten on meds, and um, that was pretty, pretty wild. Learning about emotional health, this idea that there are certain things that are super stressful for me that shouldn't have been as stressful as they looked like. It's this idea of um, stacking bricks and then it being this feather on top of the bricks that knocks the whole tower over. And so like on emotional health level, a, a stressor organizing paint was like a three. So not that stressful. But my emotional reaction to it was like a ten. Like I'm crying, I'm having a panic attack, I'm freaking out. So that was kind of my first experience kind of opening myself up to this and talking with a therapist through this. I believe it was later the same year, maybe the next year. I want to say it's the same year. I'm up visiting my dad. I had done my best since the divorce, and I'm not perfect by any means. So please do not hear this and hear me painted as a hero. I have my flaws. He has his flaws. Um, From my perspective, we do not have much of a a relationship. Even still, we don't have much of a a relationship in it terrifies me even as I enter into my own relationship with my child being a father like I'm I'm terrified that she and I won't have a relationship even with her being like six months old um, like that that fear that insecurity is always in the back of my head I had gone up to visit uh, I think we were celebrating it was just me I think I was just got to visit honestly I had gone up to visit my dad see my brother and see my stepmom and and her son and we were all hanging out and had dinner and on the way back from dinner, my dad was like, I guess for their relationship at the time, it, it, he felt it was okay. I guess it was like a sense of like teasing. Um, but in my head and, and mind you, in my head, I lived very nobly and I was very heavily considering thoughts of, um, proposing and getting married to, to Megan, my now wife. So hearing him essentially roast his wife really rubbed me the wrong way. It didn't feel honoring, it didn't feel respectful. And so I got, I was really, really upset and I shut down the car. So we get to, we get back to the house and he stays behind after everybody else gets out and tries to talk to me and we end up in a huge yelling match and we're arguing and we're yelling and. Uh, somehow he had brought up my grandfather, and he brought up my mom, Um, and I'm literally just, I can't contain my, I'm almost back in that, like, crying over paint, where, like, I am, like, screaming, and can't control it, even though I want to, I'm sobbing, can't control it, even though I want to, Um, and at some point, he just kind of, I don't remember, he got in my face at one point, and I remember it being really intense and really scary, especially because, the garage lights had kicked out so it was pitch black and you just kind of see the glow of like his eyes and it was terrifying it was absolutely terrifying and then he just kind of waved his hand with this kind of like i don't care shrug and just was like whenever you're blah 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 ready um there were some expletives shared that night um to join us just come back inside and i um stood in the driveway Sobbing, shaking, my first thought was actually suicidal, and then it was just I wanted to hurt myself, and I was carrying my pocket knife, and um, I didn't, in my head it was just going to be a shallow one that I can just rub some water on and just... You know go inside go to bed reset leave in the morning even leave that night if i had to the time i was only two and a half hours away from home three and a half hours away from home could totally make it and uh i cut so deep that i had to go to the hospital and i was hospitalized for self-harm again i'm not shared this story with pretty much anybody my mom knows, my wife knows, and I think my boss at the time knew. He was, he's somebody that I trust and still do. I spent the whole night there. They took everything. Um, the next morning, they moved me to, they, they held me in like an emergency room overnight. The next morning, they, they moved me to a psych ward where I was evaluated by a psychologist. Uh, we talked at length about my dad talk at length about the relationship I tried to have with my dad uh, and then they offered me a choice which uh, is unheard of. In most of these cases I should have been held probably up to five days. Um, I'm very grateful I did not have to um, but a lot of the conversation resulted around identifying triggers that caused this behavior. And unfortunately, one of the triggers that causes the stress in me and causes um, me to become a danger to myself is being around my father for extended periods of time. Then the doctor, the, I guess, psychologist, psychiatrist, I can never remember the difference. Um, The one I talked with, we talked a little bit about kind of my behavior and some of the, some of the, just talked through some things. And she informed me that I, I probably and I don't know if you want to count as a diagnosis or not but I I guess you could she's professional Uh, I probably have something called borderline personality disorder so otherwise known as BPD a BPD person sees life essentially just in black and white and there's this very much um, push-pull when it comes to relationships there's times where it's get away get away get away i hate you i hate you i hate you and then it instantly flips to this but don't leave me don't leave me don't leave me don't leave me um and and we have a incredibly difficult time controlling that those instances are called splitting and that's when that black and white kind of snaps um i have another friend who just recently shared that they also have BPD and in talking it seems like a lot of BPD individuals this occurs primarily with our closest relationships so for me these splitting instances are gonna happen most often with my wife for my friend it's with their um, significant other um, I've experienced it a little bit with some of my family members but it's not as intense it's more of this I look for and seek approval. Do do you like this? Um, do you approve of what I'm doing? Do you approve of the life choices I've made? Do you approve of the decisions I've made here? I actually have also noticed it and I'm talking about it with some of my bosses where it's either when I'm called into their office for a meeting my brain is instantly jumping to a worst-case scenario of Ooh, what did I do wrong? Is this a reprimand? Have I-? Even if I haven't done anything and mind you I'm a very like perfectionist so For the most part, if you give me a checklist, the checklist gets fulfilled, and there's no harm, no foul there. But my brain still will find something. Um, BPD, at least for me, is also marked incredibly by very intense self-deprecating emotions. I probably have thoughts almost every day that I am um, not a good husband, uh, not a good father, um, not worth it on really bad weeks i have ideation suicidal ideation there i explained it one time to a mentor of mine that the the pain you feel inside your head is so great that you feel like the only way to get rid of it is that way out and so in a sense i actually am able to sympathize or even empathize with people who Have tried or even succeeded Um, I don't believe that it is it's obviously not a cure Um, I would much rather that if you're listening to this and you and you experience some of these things that you go and find help that you please go see a therapist call a friend I'll put the suicide hotline here in the in the show notes but please find someone that's what I have or at least that's what I believe I have Um, since moving away from Atlanta since moving away from um, just some family stressors that I guess I wasn't aware of since being married for a little bit and even just kind of growing up and identifying these things I've had to I've had to write things down there was a while where I had to force myself to make my first response to a stressor even though for most people it seems irrational and it seems ridiculous Um, and that's how we end up feeling. Um, if you're, if you're someone who tells someone who's experienced a mental health episode, Hey, you're being ridiculous. You're having an error. you know, your fear is irrational. You're probably doing more harm than good. Um, we, we typically know, (laughs) we typically know it's irrational, but in the moment we're living it in the moment, it's a real situation. It's a real situation in the moment. It's a real pain. It's a real fear it's real life. It is our reality. And being by being told that, you've now made part of our identity. Oh, I'm just ridiculous. Oh, you don't care about me. And that's scary, because that just compounds. Uh, I believe the, there's somebody, somebody saying, well, we we hold on to negative feelings longer than positive ones. And it takes 10 times as many positive affirmations to root out a negative comment or a negative belief. Um, for me, it was having a notebook and writing down the thoughts I was having. That way I wasn't instantly jumping into a conversation that I didn't need to have or a phone call or any other kind of action. Uh, there's also my personal faith. Um, I've had to work really hard at making my identity and rooting my identity in Jesus and believing that I wasn't some great mistake in believing that God wanted me to walk through this. Um, why? I don't know could just be did for the sake of this podcast. could be for the, the time I spend with students, whether as a, a youth pastor, a student leader at church uh, or even as a teacher in a classroom, identifying with kids who struggle with self-harm and, and mental health because they do. It's out there. It's real. I've seen it. Got kids who tell me about it. Got kids who call me in the middle of the night. It's 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 real stuff. Holiday holiday depression. My holiday depression, I believe, comes from my shattered family unit. I remember for a few years after the divorce, losing the magic of the holidays, losing the magic of Christmas and just starting to shut down and isolate and i still isolate i get into moods and i think what's worse is i can't explain them and i don't feel understood by people that i'm around and they don't get it i don't fully get it other than i know it's just not how it should have been um so it appears that was I guess the hand that was dealt Um, there's been some mending having having a wife having a kid and and even our my brothers and I relationships maturing out of that phase of of anger and hurt um, has helped a lot in restoring some of that but I still have moments of of depression over the holidays because well some of our strongest memories of big events come from being a kid and if some of my formative years, I believe middle school and elementary and uh, high school are some of your most important years, especially as you're slowly becoming your own kind of little adult, um, to have that marked by whether it's fear or sorrow, um, it hurts, it just, it can hurt. So that's my journey. Uh, as of right now, I'm okay. Um, The self-harming has become much less frequent. It takes really intense moments for me to uh, hurt or even just feel the desire. Um, Navigating marriage has definitely been an interesting um, experience with my borderline, or I guess air quotes borderline, but at least the splitting tendencies, that black and white, that Oh, you hate me. Um, I'm gonna push you away. There are moments where they want you close by. So that's been that's been tough. And my wife is a trooper. But for right now, I'm I'm okay. And and really, I just want to help other people who are in kind of the same situation or going through the same situation. And so I think a lot of this actually, a lot of my story um, has kind of been the heartbeat behind my, um, I guess, passion for caring for the hearts and minds of of students of middle schoolers and high schoolers because well that's when i went through junk that's when i think most people go through junk and so i want them to be okay um as for this episode in this podcast i i think really i just want you to hear that if you're out there and you're struggling with this you're not alone and if you're out there listening to this and you don't struggle um please be considerate of those who are they could be in your family, could be a friend, could be your husband, he's not told you. Or it could be your wife, and she's not told you. Use words of edification. Don't use words of defeat or um, tearing down. If you tear down, to just build yourself up. Uh, you know, we call that bullying, where I come from. But use words of edification. So to to build someone up to, and I don't mean puff smoke up them. Don't tell them they're, the, they're a rock star and when they really can't play more than an E chord but con- constructively, compassionately, carefully removing away lies, helping someone see the truth of who they are, and then building them up in that. This has been an odd episode. Thank you for hanging on. Next week, we're not going to be meeting. it would be Christmas. Merry Christmas. Welcome to a really heavy episode, and Merry Christmas. Thanks for hanging on with me. If you have any questions, please DM me. Please know you're not alone. Please know I love you. Whoever you are. I care about you. I'm glad you're listening. I'm glad you're still here. I hope your diaper, diaper stays dry. I hope it stays clean. And we'll see you in the new year.